Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. We're going to have an interesting conversation today with Diane Brennan. Diane and her husband, Rick, pastor a church in Belfouche, South Dakota. And Diane, we're glad to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about where is Belfouche and, and uh, what church do you pastor and how long have you been there? Thank you, Randall. It's an honor to be here with you today. Belfouche is a small cowboy farming and ranching town in Western South Dakota. It's about an hour and 40 minutes from Mount Rushmore. It is just west of the Black Hills. It is a beautiful area and the community is is conservative. Rick and I have pastored Summit Open Bible for 29 and a half years. And we are thankful that we've been able to be here that long. And we just really enjoy living in Belfouche and pastoring the church. Well, I really salute you for 29 years of faithful service there in that community. I'm guessing you probably know most of the people in town. Actually, we have so many new people coming in. Uh We have a new factory coming in. So um, we are beginning to have new people. And a lot of people have moved from California and Oregon and Minnesota. (laughs) So it's almost like a new town all over again. (laughs) Why am I hearing this? It's everywhere in the country. It's like, well, we have people coming here from California. So (laughs) they're coming there too. Yes, (laughs) they are. Well, that is a beautiful part of the country. And I can see why people would be attracted there. Yes, it, it it opens doors for ministry. Absolutely. Well, here's what we're going to focus on in our conversation today. Most couples dream of having children, and uh, you and Rick did as well. But your path to achieving that dream took, uh, just say, an unusual turn. Uh, could you share about that journey with us? Yes. My dream when I was a child was to be a mom and to be in ministry. I felt God's call from an early age. And when Rick and I received the news that I could not have children, it was it was tough. It was like a death. We grieved that just as if you would grieve a death in the family. Um, in my head, I knew that God had it, but my heart struggled. And we decided that there had to be other options. God didn't drop being a parent into our hearts for no reason. So we began to pursue the adoption path. That door did not open for us in Fort Collins, where we were in the midst of planting a church, which has enough of its own stress, actually. And so when we moved to South Dakota, the door opened for us to become foster parents. So we took the classes. And in June of 1995, we were licensed. And the ink had not even dried on the paper before we wound up with a call that a a six-and-a-half-year-old boy needed a home. And that boy, James, turned out to be the first child that we took into foster care and later adopted. Um, We also then in October brought Justin into our home from birth and through a process wound up adopting both boys two years later. So, wow, bang, bang, you, you, you were waiting and didn't happen. And and there it happened. So uh, foster parenting, I know is just an interesting journey in itself. 
What were some of the most surprising and challenging aspects of that for you, Diane? You know, parenting has its challenges. Yes. Um, I know that kids don't come with a manual. I wish they did. Um, and then you put, you put special needs into the mix and someone that thought she knew it all and then gets into the ring with these kids that had suffered major abuse, especially James, our six year, six and a half year old. He had suffered physical, sexual, emotional abuse. And we didn't know that. Oh, I just wow. looked at this cute little boy and thought with love and God mm. and stuff yeah. will fix him and will be a happily ever after family. And that was not the case. And then Justin came along at birth, which we thought was a godsend. And it was, it was a godsend. But then two years later, all of a sudden he had issues. The world that, that he knew was gone and he couldn't talk. He didn't walk. He didn't play. He was not potty trained. It's like someone had erased the slate and he knew nothing. And so we were left with two, two boys that needed lots of help and we didn't know how to give it. So that was very challenging and it was overwhelming. Keeping up with the paperwork was also very, very difficult. There was lots of journaling, documentation and reports. And then I didn't feel successful as a parent because of the overwhelming challenges and because mm. I parented like I was parented and my sure. dad was strict. And what he said went, and I knew how to do that. And it didn't work with James or Justin. And so I felt like a failure. And James's behavior toward me, he um, felt abandoned. And he was abandoned by his mother. And though it was for his best interest, he didn't understand that. He was six and a half, so he blamed me. And I took that personally. And so it was just a very difficult time. I didn't know how to help the boys um, and I didn't know what to do. And so I was just challenged all the time. And, and Rick didn't know either. And then the demands of ministry, especially with Rick, he had to keep that up. I did not so much, but it just it made for a very interesting season of our lives. Well, I can't I just can't begin to imagine how challenging that was. My heart goes out to you. The sense of failure you had yes. during that time, which wasn't your fault. No, but, but it's your mom's heart. I always say no one does guilt better than moms. <laughs> You're right. And the enemy takes that he and he uses it to render you ineffective. And I'm just so thankful that God is bigger than me. Amen. Well, so let's walk this out a little bit. There's more to the story. Talk to us about the next chapters here and what took place uh, with James and Justin. Okay. James um, wound up being in residential facilities over and over because we knew we weren't effective and the Department of Social Services were, were involved with us, even though we'd adopted the boys, which I was very thankful for, because we needed the support. Mm -hmm. And we had James in therapy, and we're very thankful for that because we needed that support for him as well as for us. And yet we still couldn't meet his needs. And when he was 14, he committed a crime that wound up having him removed from our home permanently. So he was then in a residential facility until he was 21. When he was 21, 
he got into drugs and alcohol and decided to be homeless. And we knew we'd planted the seeds. We had done everything we could. He could not come back and live with us, not with Justin and his needs there. And Justin wasn't safe with him around. And so um, he has just ventured out on his own and done his own thing. He is now in Fort Collins. He does not keep in touch with me so much because I was the disciplinarian and he blamed me. He keeps in touch with Rick periodically and we pray. We pray for him that God will, because nothing is impossible with God, but he is the prodigal. And then Justin, um, we knew something was wrong, but we didn't know what was wrong. And so we went to doctors and that was disastrous because he did not understand. And so all the testing they did didn't work because you have to be cooperative in order Mm -hmm. to have those tests become successful and find out what's going on. So finally, um, the Department of Social Services got us an appointment with the Children's Hospital in Sioux Falls. And so when Justin was five, a team of doctors diagnosed him on the autistic spectrum. He was moderately severe. He has anxiety disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder. Later, he was diagnosed as being schizophrenic. And so he has the, the, this multiple disorder that he is working with, but they put autism on the um, reports because there's funding with autism. And there wasn't funding at that time with those other diagnoses. So that's where we went with that. And so we were able to get the funding and then get the help that we needed for him. It occurs to me that it wasn't your intention, but you've become an expert on lots of things here. Um, <laughs> I don't know about an expert, but I sure have that experience. Oh my, my. <laughs> so, so Justin had multiple things in the special needs category. And was there somewhat of a relief to you at least getting a diagnosis to know what you're dealing with? Yes. And even though we were told to put him in an institution that he would never amount to anything, we knew that God had put him in our family to fight for him. And sometimes we have to fight for our kids. And so I determined on that ride home that I would fight for him to get him the best possible help that we could get him. Powerful. Now, you know, autism the causes of autism are such a mystery and cause a lot of debate. Of course, today, I know that um, statistics seem to indicate that more children are being touched by autism. Although we don't know whether it's that, or we're just better yeah. at diagnosing it. And, and it does seem to afflict boys more than girls. What can you tell us? I know you're not an expert, but you've had more experience with this than most of us here on this podcast today. Tell us uh, some of what you understand about autism as a result of your experience. Okay. Autism is a neurological disorder. It affects a person's ability to communicate, to socialize. It affects their thoughts and their behaviors. And there's a wide spectrum of autism. You have high functioning autism and then you have severe autism. And along that spectrum, you have those other disabilities that impede their ability to um, coexist in the world and in, in the world as we know it. And research continues to provide tools for educators and parents to try with their children. I know we tried all kinds of different therapies with Justin, 
and it was trial and error. Some of them worked, some of them different, but there are, there's research every day that helps mm -hmm. parents know and be able to, to function with their child. The other thing that I've learned is you never give up hope. You never give up hope. You're not mm -hmm. alone. There are, there are support out there. And even though you may need to fight for it, it's worth doing. And as more people have been touched by autism, more people are understanding it and have compassion. Back when Justin was first diagnosed, even some people in our church didn't understand it and they were judgmental. And that's difficult. But now, because it has touched so many lives, that it is a little easier to deal with in a public setting than it used to be. Well, what about this in the spiritual dimension? First of all, you've stated this, this is a God commitment. You felt this is part of your calling. God had placed this little boy in your home and you were going to fight for him. You're going to love him. You're going to care for him. So that's where you are. What about the spiritual side of things for Justin? Uh, how, how does autism affect his spiritual life, his, you know, his, his ability to come to grips with abstract things like faith, you know, how, how, do, how have you navigated all of that? Interestingly enough, we've had Justin in church since he was born. I play on worship team. So he was in his car seat sitting next to me by the piano. And so he has been a part of that. And his spirit is so connected to God. Um, God. It's amazing <laughs> to me to see how he, though he couldn't communicate, I learned to sense behaviors that things weren't right spiritually, even in service sometimes. And then God would give me the wisdom to know what to do to get him out of the service so that he didn't disrupt the service. Um, and we lived our faith. We live our faith every day. And with him, it was a normal conversation. I listened to Christian music. We're very thankful for the radio stations that we had. We learned Bible verses. Um, he, he has a photographic memory when he's not anxious. And so he would know to quote those Bible, Bible verses, the one in Timothy that said, God has not given me a spirit of peer, fear, mm. but of mm -hmm. power and love and a sound mind. And there were times I just claimed that over him, wow. even though those signs weren't exhibited. Um, and so he always knew we talk about heaven. Both sets of his grandparents are in heaven now and he knows heaven is a place. And he, I don't know that he understands them to carry on a conversation with us, but his spirit is connected to God. And they called him in high school, the preacher, because he would quote those Bible <laughs> verses and he would sing those songs to oh, them. Wow. And the funny thing is they could do nothing about it. I couldn't do it, but he could do it. And so God used that in just kind of a funny Beautiful. way. Um, and so I, I just believe he knows Jesus yes. and he's connected to Jesus and yeah. Wow. So what he doesn't understand, he experiences. Exactly. I, I can only wonder. He's he's had those years of being there by mom at the piano. He's been, he, he senses the spirit of God. I think so. Hallelujah. Well, Praise and God. I know so. Yeah, there was a time where we were coming home 
from Rapid City and he was a teenager and we were having some mental issues and there was some schizophrenic things going on and he thought he saw Dairy Queen and so he opens the door to get out and we're doing 75 miles an hour mm. and I know God shut the car door and I just begin to say the name of Jesus and begin to claim the angels of the Lord surrounding the car began to ask him questions and down the road a little bit he said mom I see angels around the car and I just began to weep all of a sudden he goes mom are you okay and I'm going no I'm not okay because he saw those angels that's how it's connected his spirit is oh wow that is so beautiful so this is this obviously is an ongoing journey with Justin it's not just Justin's journey it's Rick and Diane's journey yes (laughs) so let's let's just shift gears a little bit and talk about how this has impacted your daily life. How has it affected your marriage? You know, how has it affected you in ministry? Have you been confined to the home? You know, talk to us a little bit about how this has impacted you personally. Well, our daily life um, pretty much just stopped because Justin became our priority. And though we made plans for the day, most days, at least for me, those plans never came to fruition because if something happened, obviously Justin was our priority. And even with him in school, um, many calls where he was running or something was amiss and I would go. Finally, I got a job in the school system where he was. So at least I was there. Um, And so daily life for me was very interesting. We never knew what was going to happen. Um, We did not do crowded community things, um, especially with him when he was younger, because crowds bothered him, heights bothered him. And so we knew better than to go there because we would have issues with that. Um, We had many schedule interruptions, many meetings. Our world was different. Friends that um, before we had kids were uncomfortable with our new world because our world was different. And so we lost some of those friendships. And for that season, oh, well, we had a church family that understood and we were very thankful for that. And so we just turned in there. Rick continued with ministry. He was always there as a support for me because there were times it was overwhelming. And and he was so gracious in letting me continue to teach and stay to do ladies Bible studies, to stay on worship team, to get away when we needed to get away. So I was very thankful for that. But our daily life was very interesting. (laughs) It sounds like, and obviously there have been many sacrifices and adjustments you've had to make. But you know, Diane, as I hear you talk, I think you probably could tell me, tell our listeners today, there were some blessings I hadn't anticipated either. Could you talk to us a little bit about in the midst of all this, what what blessings have come through your son's challenges? For me personally, I really learned how much God loved me. I grew up always thinking I had to measure up to God. I viewed my father as strict. So I looked at God as very strict and I felt like I could never meet his expectations. But, you know, God used those two boys to break me and Mm. make me realize I could not fix them. Mm. I could not parent them on my own. And 
I had a God encounter personally that just changed my perception of God and revolutionized and transformed how I saw God. And I would not have looked at that had those boys not been in my life. God used them to literally break me so he could mold me into the person I am today. And I look at success differently from that. It's not the world's definition. Justin is successful. He is now in his own apartment. He is in a group home with mm. an organization, Northern Hills Training Center. He loves being independent from us, especially me. I do believe Rick <laughs> is his buddy. I was his parent. What can I say? Anyway, um, and, and he is successful. He is happy. And I've learned to go with the flow and I've learned to take care of myself. Both of us, Rick and I have learned mm. we need to take care of ourselves it's physically. Mm. We need to take care of ourselves spiritually and we need to take care of ourselves emotionally. Those are blessings that, that we've learned that have helped us in ministry. And we've been able to use Justin's disabilities, especially to minister to other families. There are families that come to our church that were told by other churches not to come because they couldn't control their children. And I understand sometimes you can't control your children. Mm -hmm. They were told they were bad parents. We were told we were bad parents. And those people soon left our church because we really felt like that God had directed us and we didn't have all the answers, but we were trying our best. And so we minister to a lot of special needs people because they feel safe in our church. Our church loved our kids. They love these people. God has given us a special ministry there. I believe God has a special heart for those kids and those Indeed. people that have disabilities. And, mm -hmm. and there's ministry there. God loves them. And mm -hmm. it's fun to watch them respond to God's call. I agree. God has a special love for yes. special need kids. So, so you've been teaching us, you've been sharing out of all these years of experience. You started out at ground zero, knowing nothing. <laughs> and, and today you, you share out of this wealth of experience and things you've learned and you're still learning as you walk this journey. What advice would you give to parents maybe who have just received a diagnosis? They're just starting. They just heard the word <laughs> autism for their child. What, what would you like to share, share with oh, them? My, my heart goes out to them because I remember when I received that, my world was crushed and, and I, I know how they must feel. And I think the first thing I would tell them to do is just breathe. They have to breathe because life does go on. God says in his word that he will never leave us or forsake us. We live in a broken world. And you know what? It's okay that people are broken. God did not heal Justin and James. So we prayed for that. He didn't heal them like I wanted him to. Will he? Yes. It's his call, not mine. And I've learned to just go with the flow, knowing that God's got it, that he loves me. And I breathe. And there were days I sat in the bathroom with the door locked and I said, God, I can't do this. And he said, I know you can't, but I can. And so those 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 overwhelming moments, sometimes all I could do is just breathe. Also, find support. Do research. There's a wealth of information on online on the Internet. 
um, the Department of Social Services can give you ideas on what to, uh, to do and where to go. And if you're homeschooling, even homeschool groups now have special needs. So there's, there's ways to find things that you can do to get the support. And there are caring people out there that will help you and know that God will lead you and God will give you the strength. Obviously, there's a reason that you can do this. Those kids are in your home. God's not left you. And you just take it day by day and know that it will, it will be okay. Wow, that's so great. Rule number one, breathe. breathe. <laughs> <Lots>. <laughs> well, you know, we, we call this uh, podcast Better Roads because uh, I think about your journey you've shared. There were some roads you chose, like we're going to adopt, foster, and then adopt. But there are other parts of the road that you didn't choose, that some roads, we just get planted on those roads, and God help us, we've got to walk those out. And then there are other roads that we can look back and say, that was a dumb one that I chose, <laughs> you know, because we all have those. That's how God helps us to grow. But Dan, yes. there are also some roads when you look back over your life, you can say, you know, there were these, there's this road and that road. These were some strategic roads that were the better ones. And they've made such a vital difference in my life. Can you talk to us about any roads like that you've chosen just as a testimony to the Lord? I have learned to live the adventure. That's a road because every day you can either survive the day or you can live the day. And I have a plaque on my wall that someone made me that says living the adventure. And I must admit there have been seasons in my life where I wanted to take that plaque down because the adventure wasn't what I would choose. But when I choose to have a mindset to live it and embrace it and know that God has purpose for me every moment of every day, then I can live that adventure. And I love my life. I love where I'm at. I love every day that God can use me and order my steps. And so it's revolutionized the way I think, the way I behave, the way I respond. And I've also learned to choose to spend time in God's presence every day. I've asked the Holy Spirit to lead me, to help me obey him even when I don't understand. And I took a relational wisdom class at a national convention in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And that relational wisdom class has given me so many tools that has helped me parent better because I've learned I can use a soft voice. I've learned to think before I speak. I've learned instead of reacting to respond, I've learned that God is my guide, that I need to check myself and that other people in their journey are having issues and I need to be kind and compassionate. And so those tools have helped me learn to respond instead of react. And it's open doors for ministry that are absolutely awesome in a lot of ways. And I'm just thankful that God has taken me down those roads and I consider them better roads because they've changed me 
Amen. Excellent. Excellent. You know, I'm glad you mentioned about the relational wisdom course that you took. I was going to ask this about about this earlier, but for those people who uh, might be interested in learning more about that, this is a a course that's done by Ken Sandy, who spoke at our convention. And uh, I know it has made a dynamic difference in many lives. And if you're interested, if you would go to RW360, that's 360.org, you can learn more more about the course yes. that Diane uh, has taken. I know you've said this has helped you not only administer with your kids, but just in ministry and life in general. Yes, it, it truly has. I've taught that class and, and honestly have talked with the Department of Social Services and co-working with them to teach foster parents, not only foster parents, but birth parents on how to control themselves and it makes such a difference in just stopping and thinking first. And so again, another tool for parents that may have children that have been diagnosed special needs, it just gives you tools to handle yourself. And if you can handle yourself, then it gives you the ability and the wisdom to handle situations better. Well, Diane, you have blessed us today. I know our listeners have been informed, but they have also had their hearts touched. You've touched my heart, and I'm I'm absolutely certain that we've had more than one uh, uh, tear that's flowed and people today just empathizing with your journey and how you've shared so honestly and openly. So so thanks for your candor with us. You are so welcome. And we thank all of our listeners for joining us today, and we ask you to Stay tuned and be with us for our next episode of Better Roads. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.